I am Melinda, the host of Women's Work, A Sober Perspective. I am an attorney who put fear aside and dove headfirst into doing the work to become sober. Have you also let fear hold you back from becoming sober? Have you been worried that becoming sober will affect your career or just your everyday life? Or are you already sober and just want to listen to another professional sober woman navigate through sobriety and share stories and advice learned along the way? If so, this is the podcast for you. So grab a cup of coffee or your favorite mocktail and let's get to work. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Women's Work, A Sober Perspective. One of the reasons that I wanted to start this podcast was that in early sobriety, I came across a lot of feelings and situations that I wasn't sure if it was quote unquote normal. I felt like I really had no one to talk to or to ask if this was something that typically happened in early sobriety. And I really wish that I had that. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to create this space, a place where women can check and check in and see, hey, this is normal. This is something that other women go through. So I really want to create that space for everybody. That's why I wanted to create this episode which, which will discuss the six things I wish that I knew in early sobriety. While there are more than six things I did wish I knew, these are my top primary things that I think that if I knew would have made my journey that much easier. The first is sugar cravings. Oh boy, yes, sugar cravings are real. Before I quit drinking, I never was a sugar person, I would create, I would actually eat hearty foods before sugar foods. I would never be at dinner and say, want cake or want a dessert. But as soon as I quit drinking, it was on my mind constantly. I wanted a sweet. I would be driving and see a bakery or see a place that I could get a donut and, oh, I want a donut. Oh, I want something sweet. I would see the cookie tray come to work and the office break room and all the treats I normally had no interest in. And all of a sudden I wanted them all. I constantly was craving sugar. And it really made me wonder, is this normal? Is this something that's happening because I quit drinking? It was something that I could take or leave. Like I had no interest in it before. And I was wondering, is quitting drinking changing my appetite? And it got me nervous. I was nervous because I was giving up one substance and really didn't want to replace it with another. I mean, sugar doesn't have the best reputation and I just couldn't understand why this was happening and was wondering if this was a common issue. Well, the good news is this. Yes, it is a common issue and yes, it is because you quit drinking that you want to have more sugar. So the reason for that is this. So when you're consuming alcohol, the alcohol in your blood turns to sugar. You take away the alcohol and the sugar, what do you want? More sugar. It's your body is used to it. You are, especially the more that you drink, the more sugar that your body's used to having in your blood. And without it, it makes you crave it more. I, even though I described myself as not a sweet eater before, I mean, the reality was this, I was consuming a lot more sugar than I really thought with all the wine. Like I would drink, unfortunately, a ton of wine and that was a lot of sugar in my blood. So when I quit drinking and it was no longer in my system, I wanted it. I was craving it. So what can you do about it? There's a few things you can do about it to make it a little bit easier on yourself. You can lean into exercise. You can have more water, which will also curtail the sugar cravings. You can focus on your sleep and get the sleep that you need. Eating more protein, huge. 
when I was craving sugar, I ate more protein. And how would I do that? I'd carry in my purse for days that I was really busy. I would have a protein shake. I would have a protein bar with me. I would also, for my afternoon snack, like so to avoid like the happy hour time or the sugar cravings around four o'clock, I would have some Greek yogurt mix in a scoop of protein powder, have some fresh berries in there, some dark chocolate chips, some almond slivers, something hearty, something that would be a good amount of protein to help me with my cravings. But also too, you got to give yourself some grace. You got to give yourself and your body an opportunity to adjust to the new change of your lifestyle. While obviously I'm not saying sugar all the way, but you know, there's got to be something said for you're giving up a highly addictive substance that's awful for you. So give yourself some grace when you have some sugar. Allow yourself to have some of the sugar. Personally, I prefer to have sugar than alcohol any single day of the week. And like many things, over time, your sugar cravings will decrease. And this is also kind of a good segue, I guess, into the second thing that I wish that I knew is that quitting alcohol is not an overnight fix to your problems. So for when I first quit drinking, I was under this misconception that, okay, well, I'm not drinking anymore. So my sleep's going to be better. My waist is going to be smaller. My skin's going to glow immediately. Mentally, I'm going to be all set. Obviously, I'm going to undo all the anxiety and depression I felt for years. My relationships are going to be booming and all my problems are going to disappear. Okay, well, I could not be more wrong. And I say that because... It is not an overnight fix. Sobriety does not automatically fix all your issues. While they do get better at time, I can say with honesty that every single area of my life has drastically improved because I quit drinking. It didn't happen overnight. Quitting drinking is a long game, not a short game. It's a marathon, not a sprint. My sleep, when I first quit drinking, my sleep was off. I did not feel the greatest. I felt exhausted more often than not. But over time, my sleep was better and I did could feel the effects and I wasn't as tired. I wasn't as moody. I wasn't as drained the more time that I gave it. My skin, initially my skin wasn't as bright as it is now, but over time and the further I got away from when I drank, the more my skin would glow and the better it would be. But it took time. And the same went for losing weight. I did not lose weight right away. I mean, the sugar cravings probably didn't help. But I still, you know what the benefit was? I still wasn't drinking. And over time, I have lost weight. But what's more important is mentally, and I think in your relationship. So mentally, when I, before I quit drinking, I was in an awful headspace. I was depressed. I had constant anxiety. My head was, I felt like I was on hamster wheel. Like I couldn't not be anxious. I couldn't not be stressed out. I felt terrible. I was in a really bad space about myself. And the drinking just kept making it worse. And while I thought that the drinking was a temporary solution or it would make me feel better initially, it really contributed to my anxiety because I was compounding the problem and my anxiety was getting worse because of my drinking. But by not drinking, I was able to do what? I was able to go to therapy. I was able to be in the right mind frame to handle my stress and my issues. And over time, my anxiety has decreased. My depression has definitely gone away and I've, but I've done the work. I mean, it's not just the quitting drinking alone, but because I quit drinking, I was able to adequately address my issues and properly address my issues. And I wasn't burying my head in the sand, which was huge because I constantly buried my head in the sand. My relationship. Okay. Well, if I'm being honest, before I quit drinking, my relationship at home with my boyfriend was not good. It was not in a good space. 
a lot of it was because of my drinking and made other conversations and things worse because of my inability to, honestly, I would lie about it. I did not make it easier on him with my drinking and it just caused a mess of our relationship. And I really thought that it was hard because I'd be like, I'm 30 days sober. I'm 60 days sober. Oh heck, I'm 90 days sober. Well, why isn't my relationship feel like it's perfect again? Well, the reality is this. Time heals, it does, but you cannot expect years of building of issues to be fixed in 30, 60, 90 days. It takes time to build back trust. It takes time for them to believe that the other shoe's not going to drop. And what I mean by that is I've had short stints of sobriety in the past. I've not drank for 30 days, you know, some of the 30-day challenges. At most, I didn't drink for 90 days, but I ended back where I was, but worse. So part of it was he was waiting for the other shoe to drop. He didn't know if this was going to be really it because I I can't actually count on one hand or two hands how many times I said, I'm not going to drink anymore. It's different this time. You know, it's always different, but give them a chance to see for themselves. They actions, and I hate to say this cliche, but actions speak louder than words. So the more time that you accumulate in sobriety, the more they can see that you do mean it, that this time is different and use the time to focus on yourself, focus on your sobriety and eventually you will get there, but it's not an overnight fix. I also want to add with that, also don't use the fact that it's not an overnight fix as an excuse to continue drinking or as a justification. A month of drinking and bad habits for a month is not what got us here. And Think about how long you've been drinking for and think about how many years things have gone unchecked, that those issues are not going to be fixed in 30 days. So you got to give your body and your mind and your spirituality and your partner the time to see that this is going to be a long game thing. So don't let that be a reason why you quit. You know, choose your hard. Sobriety is hard. Drinking is hard. The thing is, is that drinking creates continued hardship that doesn't stop. Where sobriety, while it is hard, eventually you will get to a place where overall your life is better. So just give it time and don't expect it to be fixed immediately. A third thing that I think is super important that I wish that I knew is the importance of community. When I first had quit drinking before. I think back on the times, the other attempts I've had quitting drinking and the time now. And what was missing before was the was community. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I was f- afraid. I was afraid that people in my professional community would see that I had a drinking problem if I sought help and say, assume that I wasn't capable of handing my job or think less of me. I was in my head about it thinking, well, I don't want anyone at work to know. I just don't want people to think that I am incompetent. And what did I do? I didn't get the help that I needed. I didn't look at or dive into community resources that were available. I didn't seek help because I just didn't want anybody to know. This time, what I did is I took advantage of the online community. One of the benefits, few benefits of COVID, I would say, is that the online community and what you can do online has drastically increased. And so what I did is I found an online sobriety community of like-minded women, and I dove headfirst into that. I worked with the founder of that, who's a sobriety coach, and did one-on-one coaching to work on you know my triggers and my issues evolving drinking and really break it down. I also leaned into the community, and we have weekly meetings. We even have book clubs that pertain to 
Quitlet, you know, the literature about quitting substance abuse. And I also just really leaned into that group of women. And even from there, I became close friends with a bunch of the women in the group and we text message and discuss issues. And it's fantastic because I have a group of women who understand what I'm going through across the country and even other parts of the world. And in through that community, we're able to discuss issues, to talk about unusual circumstances that pop up. We're also able to brainstorm about ideas of how to get through an event or how to handle a situation or how do we come out being sober? What do we say? What do we do? How do we handle it? And that white, that group of women has been a game changer for me. Quite frankly, they are not my friends. They're my family. And it's that has been the best. There's no need to white knuckle through sobriety alone when you can lean into a group of other people. So I cannot stress enough the importance of community. The fourth thing that I wish that I knew in early sobriety is the word no is a complete sentence. All right, I'm going to say that again. Get your pen and paper. Word no is a complete sentence. Wow. That's a really something important because I now go through my life with the mind frame of if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. I no longer will put myself in a situation to be around people I don't want to be around. I no longer will go to events that I don't want to go to. If I have any hesitation in committing to an event, I say no. I automatically, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And why do I do that? Well, quite frankly, early sobriety is tough enough, right? You're already going through extreme changes in your life. You are giving up a substance that you probably were dependent on for years or however long. And why would you put yourself or want to put yourself in situations that make it harder for you? Why would you want to put yourself in a situation where you're forced to potentially have an awkward conversation you don't want to have, or you are being offered drinks that you're just not ready to have to say no to or want to say no to? And I don't want, I'm not saying that you shouldn't or won't be socializing. That is, could not be further from the truth. But I can tell you this, what I was comfortable doing 30 days into sobriety was substantially different than what I was comfortable doing six months into sobriety, which is also different from what I'm comfortable today in sobriety. Your abilities and your desires will absolutely change. Your comfort levels will absolutely change. So I just don't go. If I don't have any interest in doing something, I say no. Okay. I'm definitely a realist and I understand. Not every event can you say no to. So what do you do? So what I do when there's a situation, like for instance, a wedding that I really don't want to go to or another event, I make a plan. I make a plan. I know my transportation. I make a plan so I can leave on my own terms. So I'm not committed to being there for the full event. I'll stay for whatever my comfort level is on that day and I'll go if I have to. I will bring a cooler of non-alcoholic and mocktail options. Some situations, like if I'm going to dinner with some friends, I'll look at the menu in advance and kind of get a vibe if they have mocktails. Luckily, and you'll see it now, more mocktails and non-alcoholic drinks are becoming available at restaurants, which is fantastic. But if not, I'll bring cooler in the car. Why not? And I also form a plan. Like I said, but who do I form the plan with? Typically a community. I reach out to my group of women and I say, hey, ladies, I have a wedding coming up and I really don't want to go. I'm nervous because this was a bunch of people, a group of people that I drank and partied with all the time. Haven't really seen them since I've become sober. So not sure how to handle it. What do you suggest? And then we come up with a plan. We talk about different options, different 
hypotheticals and we'll run through scenarios and what to say. And also too, a bunch of them, I have their number, we'll text each other at or during the event to help each other. So again, community is key and always important to have a plan when you're going into an event. Another thing that I wish I really, I can't say I wish I knew because I knew it, but I wish I knew the accuracy of this. Water. Yes, it really does help. Prior to me quitting drinking, whenever anyone mentioned, you know, 64 ounces of water, eight glasses of eight ounce water a day, I always was like, oh my God, who drinks that much water? I didn't like water. The taste of the water was not for something I was interested in. But I guess if you compare it to alcohol, I had no problem drinking multiple glasses of alcohol, the irony. But water, it really helps. So when I became sober, I really leaned into this and forced myself to drink a lot of water. And you know what? Let me tell you this. When you listen to the benefits and you actually see the benefits, it's hard to argue against why you shouldn't drink water. Water will boost your energy, curbs your cravings, flushes toxins faster, hydrates your skin, and improves brain function. All right, fair enough. There's not a lot of things that you products that can do all that and actually delivers. I mean, think about it. Your body is full of toxins. It gets rid of them quicker. It helps your, it really makes it quicker getting your skin to glow the way that you want. It detoxes you. And it's really important because if you're dehydrated, how do you feel? You got headaches, you're fatigued, you have dizziness, and you have increased sugar cravings, which are all present when you're quitting drinking anyway. So why make it worse for yourself? So the problem is I get it. Okay, you have to pee more. Deal. Trust me when I say when your sugar cravings are decreased, you see your skin glowing and you feel overall just better, it's worth it. So they say drink half your body weight and water every day in ounces. All right, I try to do that. Do I struggle? Absolutely. This is something I still have to consciously force myself to do every day. So here are some hacks that I do. Before I go to bed, I put a full glass of water on my bathroom sink. So it's the first thing I do after I go to the bathroom. I go to the bathroom, go to my bathroom sink, chug the water. I then will also have a glass of water I place on the table in my foyer before I leave to go out the door, chug a glass of water. I make sure that I force myself to drink the water because the days that I don't, I feel it. I a thousand percent feel the effects on my body when I don't drink the water. So you know what? Suck it up, drink your water. And last, the last thing that I want to talk about um, that I wish I knew in early sobriety was giving yourself grace. Don't downplay the hard work you are doing. Quitting drinking and sobriety is hard. It's hard in the beginning because you're changing your lifestyle. Give yourself the grace to go through these changes and any mishaps that you may have. You're going to feel extra tired. You feel like you need a nap take the nap. If you feel that you are craving sugar and you are conflicted, you want to drink, but you think a piece of candy will help you, eat the candy, okay? Give yourself some grace. If you don't, didn't get your water in, give yourself grace. Don't be so hard on yourself. Okay, there's always tomorrow. Just let, let yourself know that your body is changing. Your mind is going through a lot. Give yourself the opportunity to forgive yourself and give yourself some leniency when it comes to anything that comes up, especially especially in early sobriety. And I'll tell you this, giving myself grace, and or I should say learning how to give myself grace is something that has paid for tenfold in sobriety. And it's something that I carry with me to this day. Well, I hope that these 
six topics were helpful for you. And I hope everyone has a great day. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to Women's Work, A Sober Perspective. Did you like the conversation and what you heard and want to hear more? Well, make sure to subscribe and follow Women's Work, A Sober Perspective. But also, if you have any ideas of future episodes, please email podcastwomenswork at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you.